Hello folks and welcome to LifeBridge Online. Once again, we are grateful that you are tuning in and you are allowing us to be part of your life. We pray for you, uh, for those of you who are unable to meet in person and this is your only means of staying connected. We want you to know that we miss you and uh, we pray for you often. Uh, and we pray that one day, you know, this COVID thing will be behind us and we'll all feel comfortable meeting together. Uh, but until then, we're going to keep pressing on. Um, we're going to offer everything that we can online. And we encourage you, if there are any needs that you have, if there's anything going on in your world where we can be of help, where we can serve you, I just ask that you let us know. You know, in the church world, uh, we use all types of cliches that the outside world or people new to the faith and new to the church environment might not understand. If you've grown up in church, you've heard a lot of these cliches. And depending on your background, uh, these statements can get made pretty often. You know, for, for example, we say things like, uh, love the sinner, but hate the sin. When God closes a door, he opens a window. Everything happens for a reason. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And then we say things like, oh, let me, I'll pray about it. Or I'll do it if I'm led. If it's God's will for my life. Now, here's the thing. There's nothing terribly wrong with those statements. Uh, they can be taken out of context, which certainly needs to be guarded against. But, but when you read them and when you say them and when you use them, there, there's usually there's nothing wrong with those. Some of those things are said as an encouragement when we don't have anything else to say. We believe we need to say something. And so we say one of those statements. Some, believe it or not, have even used some of those statements as an excuse when it comes to serving or being asked to serve in, within certain areas of the church environment. Instead of just telling the minister or the ministry team leader, no, I can't help you, they'll say something like, well, let me pray about it. They'll say something like, let me see if this is God's will for my life. Maybe you've used that very response to, to someone in a church or to, to going and doing something. Uh, I've, I've been told that many times uh, on mission trips. We've got an opportunity to go overseas and I'll invite people to come and I'll get the, well, let me pray about it. Uh, well, let me see if this is God's will for my life. And uh, when you start to understand the will of the Lord, uh, you realize that um, he's pretty clear on some things. And, and so we're talking about that today. Uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable 
and perfect. The interesting thing about this, we, we read that last part and we think knowing the will of God means knowing the outcome of specific areas within my life. Will I be rich? Hey, is that God's will for my life? Uh, this is something that many people are concerned with. Will I ever get married? Will my children be healthy? Will my children be successful? Will my children be deemed as normal in school? Will I get that job? Will I make the team? All of those, or most of those, I should say, are examples of conversations that I've had with people about wanting to know God's will for their life. And a lot of people, Christians anyway, when they hear verses in scripture like, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you a future in a hope. We, we hear verses like that and we start to question and desire God's will for my life as it pertains to what I want and how I want it. So today, we're going to talk about God's word. We're going to talk about his will for our life. And we want to clean up, hopefully, some misconceptions about God's will. The Romans 12 passage, and we have shared this now for three weeks, tells us that we can know the will of God. It says, be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God. Now, when it comes to understanding the will of God, there's a very simple uh, trick to understanding his will. It's simple to understand what it takes to understand his will. Maybe not so easy to execute. There's a saying, we can understand God's will for our lives based on what God values. But we will never understand God's will for our lives based on what we, our flesh, value. Let me say that again because it's really important piece of understanding God's will for our life. We can, we are able to understand God's will for our lives based on what God values. But we will never understand God's will for our lives based on what we and our flesh value. When you think about God's will, the Bible mentions five areas of importance for you and I to know his will. As a matter of fact, when we talk about God's will, rarely do we ever bring up the five areas already mentioned in scripture for knowing and understanding his will for our lives. As a matter of fact, uh, before this week, uh, I don't think I can recall ever having a conversation with someone on God's will for their life, and any one of these were brought up by the person I was having a conversation with. So let's look together at the five areas of importance uh, when it comes to knowing and understanding God's will, right? So the first thing, the first thing we need to know about God's will for our lives and all lives is that we are to be saved. He wants everybody 
to come to a place of brokenness, to a place of realization that they cannot live life without him. He sent his son to die for our sins, not just my sins, not just your sins, but your neighbor's sins down the street, your coworker's sins, the people who do not have a relationship with the Lord. It is God's will for our lives that all people be saved. Second Peter 3, 9. The Lord is not slow to fulfill his promise as some count slowness, but he is patient toward you not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. That's certainly God's will for your life. The second thing we know about God's will is that he desires that we be sanctified. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, Paul's giving some advice here. For this is the will of God, your sanctification and then he goes on to list some specific sins that you abstain from sexual immorality. And, and the list goes on. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Second Thessalonians 2.13. But we ought always to give thanks to God for you, brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the spirit and belief in the truth. And just a reminder about sanctification. Sanctification is the process of us being made into the likeness of Jesus. I mean, that, that's what sanctification is when you think about it. It's I give and surrender my life to Jesus. I ask him into my heart. I ask him to become the Lord of my life, the master of my life. And at that point on, the rest of my earthly journey is a journey of me becoming like Jesus. I work towards it. I have setbacks and I, and I, have, I fall down and I hit speed bumps uh, that slow progress down. But the entire journey, my faith journey while I'm alive is me going through the sanctification process with the end goal of becoming like his son. The third area of knowing the will of God is also found in Thessalonians. First Thessalonians 5, 15. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Verse 17, do not quench the spirit. God's desire for your life is that you are full of joy that you have a continual spirit of prayer and that you are giving thanks in all circumstances. Hmm. The fourth area of knowing God's will is that you live a life when, within the constraints of our nation and that you live this life with goodness. Doesn't matter what country you are a citizen of. Doesn't matter who your local governing body is. As you live your life, wherever you are, you live that life with goodness. 1 Peter 2.15 For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you should put to silence the ignorance of foolish people. Live as people who are free, not using your freedom as a cover-up for evil, but living as servants of God. Honor everyone, love the brotherhood, fear God, Honor 
the emperor. Peter is dealing with strong Roman nationalism. And no matter what the government is doing, decisions being made by the government every single day that will impact your life, no matter what the government is doing, you are to live as a good person. Our actions should always be respectful. Our actions should always be kind. We shouldn't enter into meaningless debates. And if we do this, we will put to silence people who question your faith. And in the fifth and final area that the Bible specifically speaks to understanding and knowing the will of God might be the most difficult one for most of us who hear this. For those of you who join us in our uh, on-campus meetings, this one might be the toughest. And it's found in 1 Peter 3. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. There's a lot of uh, uncomfortable words used in that speech by Peter. Suffer, slander, revile. And, and here's the thing that Christians need to know and understand. Part of God's will for our life is that we might experience suffering for doing good. And, and, I, and I know that seems... Uh, you know, against what we think Christianity should be. We, we, we would think that by serving a sovereign God who is in complete control of everything, that, that we would not have to suffer for doing good. That as we live in a, in a state of obedience to the Lord, that he would rain down blessings and rain down a life of ease. But the reality is in the New Testament, Jesus even said this himself. The world is going to hate you, not because of me, Michael Sykes. The world is going to hate you because you claim to be a follower of mine. And so Peter, who knew what it was like to, to suffer for doing good, tells us that this too is part of the will of God. So these five areas from Scripture are what we already know about God's will for our lives. Let me just go over them with you real quick. Uh, God wants everyone to be saved. He wants you and I and everyone else to share in the inheritance of eternal life. That's God's will for your life. The, the second thing, God wants you to be sanctified. He wants you to enter into the process of uh, becoming like Jesus, that you're gonna strive in your life to do your part to become like Jesus. Jesus. God's will is that you become sanctified. The next area, God wants you to be full of joy and to have a continual spirit of prayer and that you are giving thanks in all circumstances. 
And that's God's will for your life, church. Fourth, God wants you to live a life of goodness. He wants you to be good people. You know, we got good people uh, in, in our lives. And we, we say that about, hey, they're just good people. It's God's will that in your life, your life is a very testimony to other people that you are just good people. And then last, God wants you to be able and willing to suffer for doing good. That's a lot. And I know that when most conversations are had about doing the will of God, it, it really isn't on anything that I just mentioned. When, when we are trying to wrap our minds around God's will, we think in specifics to my life. And I'll get to that in just a moment. But here's what I want you to, to think about when it comes to knowing and understanding God's will for your life. And I want you to, to think, especially if you're a parent, if you're a grandparent, you can relate to this right here. As you are, are raising up your children, and I'm doing a comparison here to understanding God's will for your life. I want you to think about it, parents, as it relates to giving your kids responsibility, building trust, and then freedom that comes with that. As your children grow and their abilities develop, you most likely give them responsibilities around the house, right? I mean, chores to do. Uh, you got to put away your toys. You got to you got to put dishes in the dishwasher. Or at least they need to get to the sink. You need to pick up your trash, clean your bathroom, so on and so forth. And the older our children get, the more responsibility they should have, and the more opportunity they will have to build trust. And as our kids do the simple things around the house you're a teenager and you're listening to this, understand this about the dynamics of being in your parents' house right now. As you do the simple things that your parents expect around the house, trust is built. And as trust is built, you will receive more and more freedom. As you do the things you're supposed to do, the way you're supposed to do them, you then will be given more and more freedom. Church, it's the same way with God's will for your life. As we do what we know we are to do, as it pertains to his will, we will be given greater insight into what God wants as it then pertains to other areas of my life. Right? I mean, does that make sense to you? Like when I'm doing the things I know I'm supposed to be doing, salvation, sanctification, being in a continual state of prayer, doing things with thanksgiving in all circumstances, when I'm doing the things that I know I'm supposed to be doing, God will then reveal to me other things that I might not yet understand. Think about the equation that is found within the structure of Romans 12, uh, 1 through 2. Think about this. Offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, plus do not conform to the world, plus be transformed by the renewal of your mind equals knowing God's will. 
When I am doing the things that I know that I'm supposed to be doing, because here's the reality. I'm not going to go through the list of five things that we know for sure relate to God's will into my life. I'm not going to be able to do that without offering my body as a living sacrifice. I'm not going to be able to do that without not conforming to the world. I'm not going to understand why and how God wants me to unless I'm being transformed by the renewal of my mind. And when those things happen, I will know and understand God's will. And here's the other thing we need to know about this. We do this with the help of the Holy Spirit dwelling within us. We can't do this on our own. 1 Corinthians 2, 11 through 13. For who knows a person's thoughts except the spirit of that person, which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. And we impart this in words not taught by human wisdom, but taught by the spirit, interpreting spiritual truths to those who are spiritual. There's a lot there to unpack, and we're not going to spend a lot of time on it. But look at verse 12. We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might understand the things freely given us by God. There was that Thessalonians passage where we're told in verse 17 to not quench the spirit. Church, you want to understand the will of God in your life. You got to know that he's already given you a blueprint for this. He's already mapped out the things that you need to know. And until we start doing those things, we're, we're never going to fully grasp the areas of specifics that we want to know God's will. Mark Moore says, let me say this simply as I can. If you're a spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ and you align your life with his priorities, the more scripture you consume, the more potential you have to access the thoughts of God. Obedience to God's commands results in revelation of God's will. If we want to discover more of God's will, we must not only know God's word, but also align our lives with his will inscribed in his word. And that's the key to understanding God's will for your life in specific situations. Knowing God's will starts with something Jesus said. If anyone, if anyone's will is to do God's will, he will know whether the teaching is from God or whether I am speaking on my own authority. If we do God's will that we do know, the things we know we're supposed to do, we can then discover his will for what we don't yet know. And so if there is something going on in your life today, maybe you've been praying about something. You're earnestly seeking the Lord because you want to make sure it is what God wants for your life. If you're going through this right now and, and, and you can check the five boxes that we've already talked about of understanding and knowing God's will for your life, if all of that is taking place and you're still sitting here and I'm like, man, I just, I don't feel like God is speaking clearly to me. 
there's two things that I've learned in my life. There's two things needed as you wait to discover what God wants for you in this season of life. Those two things are patience and contentment. Patience and contentment are needed when it comes to understanding God's will, because here's the other part of God's will is God's timing. See, we want things, we want to know God's will, but we want it on our time. And so if we're going to know and understand God's will, we must be patient and we must learn to be content with our circumstances. You know, for the past two days, our leadership team here at LifeBridge has been meeting and we've been planning for the 2022 calendar year. Uh, we've worked through some sermon stuff, event things that, that we've been praying about. And I'm telling you, yesterday when, this meetings, when these meetings wrapped up, I walked out of here encouraged and full of joy. And I can't wait to share with, with our church family and I can't wait to share with you um, some of the things that they decided. And on February 6th of next year, our church will turn 10 years old and we're going to have a huge celebration service it's a big milestone for us. It's one of those things people didn't think we'd make it 10 months, much less 10 years. And here we are. And I cannot wait to share some of those things. I was encouraged yesterday. Uh, what we do next year is going to be the largest, the biggest step of faith that this congregation has taken in our 10 years. And when I think about the journey, when I think back on everything that has been done, all that has been, all that has taken place to get us to this point, everything that led to yesterday, it hadn't always been smooth. I, I haven't always been full of joy, and I certainly haven't always been encouraged. You know, when Amanda and I moved here in 2005, we knew that it was God's will for us to come to North Alabama. Uh, we came here to do one thing. We were here only a few weeks. This was in March of 05. We were here within, um, just within a few weeks, we knew that God wanted more. God wanted something else. It was not to be the youth minister at, at Hartsville Christian Church, but that's where I was, and that's how I was hired, and that's what brought me here. And in church, and I'm gonna give you the short version of this story, um, I prayed, Lord, what is it that you want? I know you want something more. What is it? What is it, Lord? And I prayed daily, and we prayed as a couple daily. And, and I'll be honest with you, I got mad at God. I, I used to sit out in my driveway because the frustration of praying and praying and praying and praying and praying, and days turned into weeks, which turned into months, which turned into years, God was silent about his will. He used to throw rocks at the sky thinking I was going to hit God. That's how mad I was. Six years of praying. Six years of a roller coaster ride of emotions. Then it was revealed. Merge two churches together. Merge and bring together two unhealthy congregations and start a new church. And yesterday, 
and our leadership team, we sat around a table and we shared stories. And guys, I'm telling you, I have a list of over 30 things that were shared. Things I know that God showed to us and has done in the life of this church that reveals his faithfulness. Lives have been changed because of LifeBridge Christian Church. Healing and restoration have taken place in marriages and in families. Generosity has been on full display from this church. All of that was part of God's will. I had to learn patience. And I had to learn contentment. And so I just want to challenge you. If you are sitting in a place and you can check off the five areas that we've talked about today. And you're praying over something. I want to encourage you to know and understand that it's God has a plan for your life. But know that he also has his timetable. Don't give up and don't be frustrated. Learn to be patient and learn to be content, both characteristics of Jesus. And what a joy and what a blessing it is when God reveals his will to your life and you live it out. 1 John 2, 17, and the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Until next week, we'll see you.